0: Who's read this book? Put your hand up if you've read it. A few people have read it. So I read this in my um, discipleship training year that I did in this church in 2001. Uh, We're not running one this year for the first time in 22 years, but often we have full-time discipleship students uh, training. And uh, I started going through this again in 2019 when I just really wanted to get closer to Jesus and uh, I was returning back to the disciplines. And uh, it's interesting, there's a real revival uh, in the global church and coming back to uh, the disciplines and the spiritual practices and the proven ways of following Jesus and coming close to Jesus that have been uh, practiced by the church for over 2,000 years. So, the reason I'm holding this is because I don't read physical books anymore. So, I gave up physical books about three years ago and I'm all digital now. So, I would love to give this to someone who would value it with all of their heart and would read it, not just add it to your book collection. And uh, I would love to give it to someone. I'm gonna have to see a couple of hands though. Oh, there's a bit of a, oh, there's a bit of, oh. You guys are so funny. People, you know. <laughs> So I'm standing up here, right? So people put their hands up like this. <laughs> oh, So Australian, aren't you? There's like so much shame. It's like, I really want it, but oh. <laughs> I'll give it to someone if they come out and get it. See, see that? They come out, but the shame gets us, and we're scared, and we're embarrassed, but some people aren't. Too slow. (laughs) No tackling, no tackling. That's better. I like that. Some passion, some movement. My goodness, following Jesus is about movement and following, but we sit there... (laughs) Uh, that 's all right, so Sabbath today, get ready to be confronted right between the eyeballs, because uh, uh, Sabbath is the most countercultural, difficult of all the practices it 's a day a week devoted to rest and worship, usually Sundays, uh, as in the Christian tradition, obviously we know that it 's Saturdays uh, in the Jewish tradition. I practice it with my family more on a Saturday because Sunday's not really a day where I can rest because I tend to kind of be working. Uh, But Sabbath is defined by John Mark Comer as a 24-hour time period of restful worship by which we cultivate a restful spirit in all of our life, so in every area of our life from eating and drinking to prayer and worship uh, to family uh, Pete Scazzario says that biblical Sabbath is a twenty four hour block of time in which we stop work, stop work, enjoy rest, practice delight, and contemplate god, so contemplate his awesomeness, his power, his glory, just love him so these two guys i 've mentioned a few times, and if you want to dive deep into this stuff, this is where i 'm drawing a lot of my inspiration from at the moment, so we know that the Jewish people uh, practice. Uh, Sabbath and in the Old Testament, which is considered the Hebrew Bible or the Jewish Bible, still to this day, uh, they practice it from sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. It's an amazing part of the Jewish culture and their rhythm, uh, which is part of the reason why they're such a successful people, because they know how to rest. Christians have usually practiced this on a Sunday, unless you're Seventh-day Adventist, because that's the whole Seventh-day Adventist thing, is they stick to the Saturday, so they have a church on a Saturday. But most Christians, uh, Protestant Christians, Catholic Christians, Lutherans, Anglicans have practiced it on a Sunday, so it becomes part of worshipping together on a Sunday morning. You might remember growing up, if you grew up in the church, the Sunday afternoon, the family roast, You know, rush home, you'd invite a family from church over, you wouldn't go off to something or you wouldn't go home and just sit on the couch, but you would do hospitality after church and you would rest. My parents always used to take a nap on a Sunday afternoon. Peter Ingram was telling me during the week, Pastor Pete, his parents used to do that. And like him, I was always so annoyed by that. Your parents would say, just go have a nap what a nap? I'm 10, I want to climb a tree, I want to go to the footy, I want to kick a ball, I want to go somewhere. I didn't understand the concept of Sabbath, what a 10-year-old does, but my parents wanted to have a nap, to slow down, to rest. It's about a slow down spirituality. So it's not about having a day off, it's not about, oh, I'm so busy, I just need to not do something, I just need to watch a blue screen to distract myself and self-medicate on Netflix, it's okay if you're self-medicating at the moment on Stranger Things, because that series has just come out. I I've, I've really like watching that. Don't watch that if you're going to get offended that your pastor watches that. But, and hanging out for that series to come out. And then they broke it in the middle, and part two comes July 1st. Anyway, but apart from Stranger Things, don't self-medicate on Netflix. <laughs> S- Sabbath, really, Sabbath is a taste of heaven on earth. God offers you and I, as followers of Jesus a taste of heaven on earth one day out of seven every week. But Sabbath is not a bunch of things, it's not a day off, okay, it's different to a day off. So your work, a lot of you will have a day off where you don't work, that's different. What do we tend to do on a day off? Run errands, uh, go to the physio, uh, get dental stuff done, grab a haircut. Um, do stuff for kids, go to s- take kids to sport or clubs or whatever the zillion things they do these days. Sabbath is different from that, okay? Sabbath's not about work, whether that's paid work or whether that's unpaid work like chores and errands and family events and sport and recreation. Sabbath is not legalism either. I'm not trying to turn you into, um, you know, Old Testament Jews, okay? It's not about legalism, it's not about shoulds and have-tos. You know, God offers us Sabbath as a way of a foretaste of heaven on earth, teaching you how to rest. That's what God's offering you. He's not offering you an oppressive, rule-based system to follow every week. He's offering you life. It's not a scheduling extra. Sabbath isn't something that you extra, that you add on top, that you try to fit in. It's not meant to put pressure on you. And I know that that will be, for many of us, the first thing that sits there. Pastor Caleb, a 24-hour period a week where I don't do stuff. I can't fit that in. I know that's going to be our first response. That's my first response. Every week when I come around a Sabbath, my, 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 my human bit goes, Ugh, how do I fit this in this week? That's not the idea of Sabbath, to be fit in, to be squeezed in. It's not something that's meant to hurt us or take away from us. It's not boring. It's not doing nothing. Sabbath is not, it's not bland. It's not just where we sit around and have no fun. Okay, That's not the purpose of Sabbath either. It's not just to switch off from doing stuff that's awesome to do stuff that's boring and religious. Okay, It's not about that at all. It's actually about joy. It's actually about renewing. It's about sharpening the saw. Uh, It's about sharpening the axe, if you like, so that you're sharp for the next six days. You're spiritually sharp. You're mentally sharp. You're sharp with your parenting and your family. It's actually about sharpening you. And as with all the practices, and this is not from me, this is from Him, it's not negotiable. It's not negotiable. I know that's crazy because it's like, oh, what? But if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're sitting here this morning you're not a follower of Jesus, then these are one of those ones where you go, great, I get to check out here. But if you're a follower of Jesus, this is something that the Bible teachers. This is something that the Bible puts to us strongly, it's not a suggestion from God, it's something that He gives us as a gift to make us better, to make us whole, to redeem us and I'll tell you a bit more about that in a moment. So our family has been practicing a weekly Sabbath properly uh, for about seven months now, since about November last year where we made a hard switch into really practicing a Sabbath. Our routine goes something like this, We wake up on a Saturday morning, that's when we've chosen to do ours. You could do yours any day of the week. We wake up on a Saturday morning and we always start with a big breakfast. So it's bacon and eggs and we're all cooking together, talking together, often do pancakes uh, or crepes. Uh, Olivia, who, who lives with us, a young lady that lives with us, has taught my daughter Aurora, who's 10, how to make crepes. So sometimes Aurora runs Saturday morning and she makes crepes for the family. It's a great time. We always have a time of worship, In the morning or journaling or meditating or or, or just something like that as a family. And when I tell people about this, especially people who are parents or grandparents, you know what the first response is? (gasps) That's what I want to do with my children. We all want to do that, don't we? To teach them to hear the voice of God, teach them to study the Word of God, teach them to meditate on the things of God. We all want that, but there's often not a lot of space for it. Sabbath, as an incredible gift, just provides a twenty four hour period to do it now for us it's usually about a five or six hour period at the moment it's not a twenty four hour period We get about Saturday morning and we usually get through to about one o'clock and then daddy goes off to play soccer or sometimes we've um, we lost yesterday four one it was a very depressing day um, and 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 or often something goes on or if we do get a longer sabbath and i 'm not going off somewhere, we often go on a family trip, so actually get out of the house, we go and do something, but we don't do something like a movie, or something like a shopping centre, because that's not Sabbath delight, that's an errand, that's work, that's consumerism, no, we get in nature, we go to the beach, we hike, we go up to the Dandenongs, we go and do something refreshing like that as a family. So this is actually our... Um, Saturday family journal that we track our Sabbath in, so I, wrote, I wrote, write some little dot points of what we actually do, I write down goals, this was our goal setting for the year with all of the kids, um, so we use this as our Sabbath journal, the front here, I wrote a scripture in the front, Psalm 39.6 that says, people are only a shadow, or well, people are shadows as they go here and there. They rush around, but it doesn't mean anything. So that's in the front of our Sabbath journal, Psalm 39.6. And then Eva got hold of the journal and wrote, This is our Sabbath book, and we love Jesus. <laughs> kiss her, 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 kiss But um, last Saturday, we actually had Olivia, the young lady who lives with us, and her boyfriend, Jack, um, Do the morning with us so we invited them to come for our sabbath and have breakfast with us and then we sat around and we just meditated to a song and we all got visions so we asked God for a vision and a picture and then the kids have their own journal and they just drew the picture that God gave them the vision that God gave them we spoke about what that vision means and what God said to them because for kids it's difficult to write out paragraphs and paragraphs but it's easy to get a picture and then redraw it and it's so so powerful But yes, probably like you, we miss the Sabbath sometimes. Yes, it gets hampered by sickness and kids. And sometimes it's not perfect. Yesterday definitely wasn't a perfect day. But the thing is, we are practicing. That's the whole point in this series, isn't it? That's the whole point of following Jesus. It's about practicing. Remember Jesus said that in the Sermon on the Mount? A wise... uh, Practice. Practice, sorry. He says, first of all, what I'm teaching you, practice. And then he goes on to say... A wise man puts these words of mine into practice. So, Sermon on the Mount, here's the words, here's the wisdom, and then he says, a wise person practices them. And this wise person is like a man who built his house upon the rock. And guess what? Storms happen. Life goes crappy sometimes. Things are busy and hard. Most of the time, life doesn't work out how you expect. But the wise man whose house was built upon the rock, it did not fall over. For a first century Jew, when they hear house upon the rock, you know what they hear? They hear family. House means family. House means the ones I love. House means my children house means my parenting, house means my friends, house means my neighbors who I invite over for a meal. I build that, those family relationships upon the rock by putting Jesus' words into practice. Our Sabbath days on a Saturday morning are far from perfect, but I hope over the next five to ten years as my kids grow up that we will refine them and we will perfect them, and they will get deeper, and they will get more meaningful, and they'll look more like the Scriptures, and less like us, rushing and fatigued and mucking around, and more like Jesus would want them to look like. Practicing Sabbath is far from perfect, but I'm telling you, for us, and I hope for you today, this impacts you, this is the most counter-cultural of all the practices. This is the practice that you probably weren't taught as a child, that none of your non-Christian friends would ever consider doing, this is a practice that is against the flow like nothing else. Aussies don't really know how to rest. Kerry Newhoff says that the cure for an unsustainable pace is not a vacation or a sabbatical. The cure for an unsustainable pace is to find a sustainable pace. To put it simply, time off won't heal you when the problem is how you spend your time on. This is the big lie, everyone, that we're sold in our culture. It's this lie of work, work a bit harder, buy a bit more, work, have a vacation, go somewhere different, fall apart for a weekend, fall apart for a week or two on a holiday. God says, work, Sabbath. Work really hard, Sabbath. Have a busy week, work hard. Earn some money, complete that project. Get all that stuff done you gotta do, Sabbath. Work, Sabbath. God's rhythm is totally different to the rhythm of this world. It has a lot of hard work, but it also has Sabbath. Every week, a slice of heaven where you rest, you worship, you delight in God. You see, as Aussies, we don't really know how to rest properly. People go away for a holiday and they come back and they need a holiday from their holiday because they don't know how to rest. People desperate to get to a long weekend and then they fall apart because their schedule is so full that they think that weekend away is gonna give them a little bit of respite, but then they're just back to work anyway. So many people, so many men, this is something I struggle with, go away on holidays, but they still check their emails, they still make phone calls, they still do a little bit of work every day, they still check in with people. Why? Because their identity is tied into our work, into our performance. We can't switch off properly. We find it very difficult to, to stop or to cease doing and don't just put this down to paid work because this is also unpaid work. So if you're a stay-at-home mum, if you're a retiree, it can be the same problem. You're still busy doing activities, doing work, running errands, doing stuff, feeling pressured. It might not be a career or a job. Maybe you've had your career or a job, but it's still an unsustainable place. Where does the word holiday come from? Holy day. Everyone say it. Holy day. Holiday, ah, I used there think, oh my goodness, all that time, I never knew that. A holy day, we don't know how to rest, we don't know how to holiday, because we don't holiday with God at the centre. We're not aiming at holy, we're not aiming at God is holy when we vacation, we have self at the centre, I want to go here. And we think the reason we're restless and our holidays don't work is because they're not big enough. They're not expensive enough. They're not long enough. They're not overseas enough. They're not in a five-star hotel. They're just in a caravan. So we feel that we think the restlessness and the tiredness and the reason the holidays don't work is because they're too small or too inexpensive or too short. It's not about that at all. Living a fulfilled spiritual life, flourishing as a human being is not about a holiday. It's about the rhythm of every day. And then when we do take a holiday, it should be a holy day. It should be a time where we rest, where we delight. And it should be built on top of a weekly Sabbath, because we're already in a rhythm of taking a holy day once a week. And then a holiday or a vacation just becomes an extension of Sabbath. The sad fact is, this is the sad fact, we've adopted the false rest of our culture which actually breeds restlessness and we've missed the delight of sabbath rest that empowers us to stop to heal to eat to drink to worship to form deep relationships to parent our children well my encouragement today is don't fall into the busyness and the rushing of culture and think that that's, your busyness is going to be solved by some fantastic holiday or some fantastic trip or some fantastic event. The language of our culture is, oh, we'll just get through this season and then things will settle down. I'll just get through this project or this, the kids are got to do this or we'll get to the school holidays and... Oh, then we'll have a rest. Isn't that the language of our culture? We're just, just by Christmas, by Christmas, this will be done, things will be different at work. And then the next year rolls, and the next season rolls, and the next project comes. It's not about some break, magical break, that's out there one day. We live in the culture and the language of one day. It's actually about a sustainable pace, a godly pace. You know, God is not rushing God is patient, God is not rushing or hurrying, He's not concerned. Basically, the whole Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gave, which is the centerpiece of Western culture, we're built on Matthew 5, 6 and 7, essentially the center point of the Sermon on the Mount is, do not worry, do not be anxious. Yet you and I live in the most affluent culture in all human history, and anxiety is an all time high. There's an epidemic of anxiety in children. There's something wrong there. Money doesn't equal rest, affluence doesn't equal knowing how to live at a sustainable pace. The Bible gives us a fantastic understanding. Of what this might look like based on Sabbath. So, let's not take it from Pastor Caleb, let's take it from a much better source and that is the Scriptures. Let me give you a little bit of a brief overview of the Sabbath from the Scriptures. Try and write each of these references down if you're taking notes, these are the main ones. Sabbath comes to us before sin even enters the world, in Genesis chapter 2, Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. And by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So, on the seventh day, everyone say it together, he rested. Interesting, isn't it? God rests, but you don't need a rest. God rests, you don't know how to rest. I don't know how to rest. He does know how to rest, and he's God. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it a holiday a holy day, because on it, He rested from the work of creating that He had done. Interestingly, work, along with rest, exists before Adam and Eve fall into sin. So before we're messed up and we're fractured in our hearts and our minds are all messed up by sin, work was a part of being human and rest was an important part of being human. But what does sin and selfishness do? It distorts these things. So work becomes workaholism, or work becomes eh, don't work at all, lazy. Rest becomes another job, another stress, another source of anxiety, or we just don't rest and we die a heart attack of a heart attack at 48. We have a burnout at 35. God worked and God rested, and we are made in the image of God. So to think that we can survive without healthy work and healthy rest when God Himself Whose image we are made in is that way, then we're kidding ourselves. Let me emphasize this even more. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, God says, This is the fourth commandment in the Decalogue, the 10 commandments from Exodus 20. It says, Remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work. But not just you; neither you nor your son or your daughter, ne- neither your nor your male or female servants, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. This is the amazing thing about Sabbath: that everyone connected to you also enjoys Sabbath. Family, employees, even a foreigner who doesn't have the revelation of Sabbath. Have you ever been invited into, had a Jewish friend and been invited into their Sabbath to come in and experience that? I know I've been around that a couple of times before. It's an amazing thing. A whole race of people in our culture right now, even here in Melbourne, stop. Some of these are the wealthiest people, the most educated people, the most influential people in our culture, and they stop from sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday every week. They don't need that extra day because it's not about working harder. It's about working smarter, and God has already given us those smarts. This is the fourth commandment. So you know how it says, do not kill? Do you believe in that one? Yeah. It also says, remember the Sabbath. Why? Because we tend to forget. We find it difficult to stop. But you know what else we find difficult? We find it difficult to rest. Because you know what happens when you rest? You've got to look at your heart. You've got to consider your life. You've got to assess your friendships. The problem is when you stop, things become clearer. And guess what? little secret. Most of us don't want things to be clearer. We like the ambiguity because it lets us think that we know what we're doing and we just get on with our stuff. We don't want to stop. We don't want to assess. We don't want to change. But God provides. He's, can you imagine out of all the things God's like, hmm. I think do not kill is a good one. I think people killing each other is not great. Do not steal. Yep, definitely pop that in there. Hmm, what else do we need in the Ten Commandments? Rest and learn how to rest properly. One day out of the seven, stop. And make sure everyone around you is stopping. Isaiah 58 verse 13. So it goes on. The Psalms, the Proverbs have references. The major prophets, the minor prophets all have messages for us around sabbath but i've just picked out the prophet isaiah in chapter 58 he says if you keep your feet from breaking the sabbath so remember it don't break it and from doing as you please on my holy day if you call the sabbath a delight everyone say delight now when you say delight you've got to say it delightfully okay delight do you feel how refreshing that is delight delight means joy it means fullness it means happiness delight If you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not giving, by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. There you go, prophetic speaking to us. Now, interestingly, we have the Old Testament where Sabbath is a high, high value. So, you know what happens in the inter period? So, between 400 BC and the 1st century, there's no Bible. In in our Protestant tradition, we call this the 400 years of silence, where God essentially doesn't speak. Kind of true, kind of not true. There's no canon of Scripture, but this is where most of the Apocrypha is written, which Orthodox Church, the Catholic Church, consider as part of the Bible, it's written in this time. And very interesting, I've studied a bunch of the books from this time because they actually give you a great idea of what the context was when Jesus came in the first century. But interestingly, this high value of Sabbath in the Bible becomes super legalistic over these 400 years. So, in the Damascus document, which was part of the Dead Sea Scrolls that was discovered in 1947, actually, which takes you all the way back to pre-Christ, they found these documents where they had added in rules, things like walking further than 500 meters, not allowed to do it on the Sabbath. Drinking outside of the camp, not allowed to do it. Drinking water, oh sorry, pouring water into any cup, not allowed to do it. Wearing perfume, opening a sealed vessel, that would be frustrating. So those water bottles, I can't open those on a Sabbath anymore because they're sealed. Assisting an animal that's stuck in a pit, or maybe that's giving birth, can't help that animal that's dying as it gives birth, you're going to lose that cattle, or having sexual relations. In modern terminology, you having sex. You can't have sex on the Sabbath, which is actually one of my favorite activities to do on the Sabbath, but we'll leave that alone. <laughs> delightful, it's delightful. The Book of Jubilees. So in the second century, get back on track, get on back on track. In the second century before Christ, the book of Jubilee says no plowing a field, no starting a fire, no riding an animal, no riding in a boat, don't kill anything, so there goes your barbecue, pork chops for the night, and no making war on the Sabbath, which is really interesting because the, the Roman general Pompey, when he took the city of Jerusalem in 63 BC, remarked that these Jews have one day a week where they won't fight. So even though the city of Jerusalem was being taken by Pompey, this Roman general, they still wouldn't go out to fight on the day of Sabbath. Then Jesus enters in the Gospels. So we've got the four Gospels that all talk about Sabbath. In Luke 4, 16, Jesus actually goes into the temple, into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And that's where he reads out his famous, uh, from the book of Isaiah, reads out his famous scripture about loosing chains and Setting free the, 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 binding up the broken and setting free of the captives. Jesus, this is really important for us because if Jesus doesn't do it, then the Hebrew Bible isn't where we need to be getting our truth from. But Jesus, the entire time he was on the were, were, earth, observed Sabbath, respected Sabbath, went to the synagogue, our version of church, on a Saturday. But there was a major, major problem. Although Jesus honored the tradition and the ritual of Sabbath, the Ten Commandments of the Sabbath, he kept getting in trouble for breaking the Sabbath. He kept doing miracles on the Sabbath. He ate the wrong food on the Sabbath. He did the wrong, wrong ritual washings. He didn't do them on the Sabbath. And healing, as I said, was really the big problem. Do you remember all the stories in the Gospels? Where Jesus does a phenomenal miracle like a withered hand or something like this, or a blind person seeing. Yet the Pharisees are not concerned that the blind person just saw. I mean, that's where I would be putting my focus. Man, this dude was blind, and now he can see. This is amazing. That wasn't their concern. Their concern was: hang on a sec, you did the miracle on the Sabbath. And Jesus says this really, really famous line, which I'm sure you've heard many times before. It's from Mark 2:27. He says to the Pharisees, the sabbath was not made for man man was made for the sabbath the sabbath the sabbath was not made for man it wasn't created it wasn't created so that man could follow a rule it wasn't created by men for men It wasn't created so that everybody could stop on a Saturday and all the Pharisees could go tick, tick, tick. It wasn't a man-made rule. It was a God-made rule. We practice Sabbath because God practiced Sabbath. God made the Sabbath so that you can flourish. You were made to enjoy Sabbath delight. Has it been robbed from you? Has it been robbed from us? Is it robbed from the average Aussie? I think it is. Interestingly, Jesus followed the tradition of the Sabbath, but he got in trouble with the Pharisees. Because, in actual fact, Jesus was observing the Sabbath how it was originally intended. All the rules that came in in that 400 years was not the heart of God for Sabbath. It was not about not doing things. It was not about should do's and have-dos and rules of oppression. It wasn't meant to be something legalistic. It was meant to be something delightful and joyous and feeling and filling and something that made you happy. The Sabbath was created for man so that he could enjoy his life and he could learn how to rest and he could be full and then go into his six days of work and perform well and be a great parent and be a great employee and do that all from a place of overflowing rest, not from a place of fatigue. So God created the Sabbath for man to enjoy. He didn't create man to follow this rule of fulfilling the Sabbath. Jesus got in trouble because he followed God's original intention for Sabbath. He didn't follow the Pharisaical way of doing Sabbath. Now, in the New Testament, we have a bunch of references to the Sabbath. In in the book of Acts, so that follows the four Gospels. You've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then you go into Acts. There's nine occurrences where the Sabbath is mentioned. All of them relate to Paul, the Apostle Paul, going into the synagogue on the Sabbath and actually preaching to the Jews or evangelizing the Jews. He does this in Antioch, he does this in Thessalonica, he does this in Corinth, in Philippi, he doesn't actually go into the temple, but he goes down to the river on Sabbath because he's looking for a place to stop, to rest, to pray and worship. And that's the story of the woman in Philippi, the woman Lydia that he bumps into, uh, who gets saved and comes to know Jesus on the river. And then in Hebrews chapter 4 we have this fantastic passage or a couple of chapters Hebrews 3 and 4 about the Sabbath. And it says since, since therefore since the promise of entering his rest still stands. Let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now, we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said. So I declared to my oath, in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Now, this few verses is said within the context of Hebrews chapter 3, where the writer of Hebrews, we don't know who the author is, but the writer of Hebrews is talking about the fact that the people of God didn't enter the promised land in the Old Testament. A whole bunch of them couldn't enter because they were stuck in unbelief. So they had no faith. Their hearts became hard because when you stop trusting in God, the old, that what happens is your heart becomes hard towards God and the things of God. Therefore, they fell into disobedience. So they weren't obeying the ways of God anymore. And they became restless, restless as a people, anxious, fatigued tired not knowing how to rest not knowing how to enjoy sabbath any longer so he's tying it the writer of hebrews is tying this to being unable to enter the promises of god but then he goes on and says in verse 8 for if joshua had given them rest god would not have spoken later about another day thank goodness there's another day look to your neighbor and say man there's another day there's something else in the future We're not stuck back there, stuck in the promised land, uh, not entering the promised land, stuck in restlessness and disobedience, there's another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. This is the gift that God is trying to give to you. From Genesis 2 to, to the Ten Commandments in Exodus, all the way through, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works just as God did from his. Verse 11, let us therefore make every effort. Everyone say, every effort. You say it like this every effort. Why? Because this is the commandment, isn't it? The fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath. It needs to be remembered, it needs to have intentionality, it needs to have effort. You sitting here this morning going, yeah. I'll do a 24-hour Sabbath this week. No problem, Pastor Kay. Yep, just see it slotting right in there. No, nah, no one's doing that. Has anyone tried practicing Sabbath? Maybe you have. I'm sure you weren't killing it. I'm sure you didn't just nail it like, bang, 24 hours, rest, worship, perfect. No, it requires effort. It's a challenge. It's something you've got to practice. It's something you got to work into your routine. It takes time. It takes focus. But it really takes love you got to love God enough that you want to actually give Him time. you got to love your kids enough, or in the way, I'm sure you love them a lot, but you got to love them in the way enough that you want to give them space. You think your kids are going to turn 18 and know how to journal and hear the voice of God and pray and worship? Uh-uh. But it might come, if you make every effort to create space once a week, that the drip, drip, drip that you're feeding your children over their lifetime from zero to 18 is rest and worship and journaling and listening to the voice of God, then they're going to be able to form something for God in their own little hearts. Verse 11: Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. The spiritual practice of Sabbath is God's invitation to the people of God, God's invitation to you, His people, His family, God's invitation to all people. If anyone would come after Jesus and follow him, he will give you rest. He will give you Sabbath. It's interesting because this is how the Christian life often works. We follow Jesus and we get this little foretaste, this little morsel of what it will be like to live in heaven for eternity. We're not there yet. We're imperfect and we're, you know riddled with sin and selfishness. We've got all these problems and we're far from perfection. But we follow Christ who is perfect. And as we follow Christ who is perfect, we get all these gifts. And all these gifts we get in following Jesus, a little taste of what it's going to be like to live with God for all eternity in heaven. The gift of Sabbath is a slice of heaven one day out of seven days. One day, every week, God says, come and have a little taste of what it's like to live in heaven, to rest your soul, to worship me, contemplate my glory, to love your family and friends, to eat, drink, come together, play games, go and walks in nature. Just do it once a week, and if you practice this spiritual practice, you will touch for a moment every week what it's like to experience heaven on earth. The four, four, there's four parts to a Sabbath and I'll give them to you really quickly if you're taking notes and then next week we're going to dive into this again. We need two weeks on this because it's so counterculture. So don't worry, I'm going to skip through these really quickly. The first one is stop. Now all these four elements are taken from the word Shabbat which is the Hebrew word for Sabbath. The four meanings of the word Shabbat stop. The second one is rest. So We rest our soul. We rest our mind. We rest spiritually. We rest physically. The third one is delight. This is really important. It's where we pamper our soul. We think about what gives me delight. Walking in nature, playing games with my kids, worshipping together as a family. Those are the kinds of things that you do on Sabbath, have sex on Sabbath. Rest yourself, delight in your husband, your wife, delight with your family, your friends. It's about what gives rest to my soul, what fills me up on the inside. And it's going to be different for everybody. And finally, Sabbath is about worship, it's about contemplating the glory of God, pondering His love, just opening your heart up to Him. It's about extended times of prayer. Resting in Him, devotionals, reading through the Word of God, just having times of silence. It, these are all things we want to do if we're following Jesus, but often they're things we don't have space for. That's why Sabbath creates a 24-hour period every week where you can do these things that you really want to do. But they're not easy. Being silent hard. Actually resting properly is really difficult. because you know what, the first thing that happens when you try to rest properly? You start thinking about all the stuff you gotta do. You start thinking, my goodness, I'm sitting here on the couch just having a little nice worship time, but I gotta fix that doorknob and I gotta paint that wall and I haven't mowed the lawns yet this week. Washing, thank you. Let's go around the room. Who's, tell me all your problems. Yeah. But that's the whole point. You're meant to stop. You're meant to not do that. You're meant to not think about it. You're meant to rest your brain. Rest your heart. Why are people burning out in their 30s and 40s in such a great country we live in with the affluence we have and all the, open, all the resources we have, the information that we have? We have access to the greatest books ever written in human history just by looking it up in our phone, yet we're no better off. We've got to return to the way of God. So my practice for you this week is this. Can anyone guess? Oh, I just gave it away. I don't want you to try and do a 24-hour Sabbath. I want to see if you can find four hours this week to Sabbath. Yes, technically Sabbath is about 24 hours, but where are you at? What could you start with? This you could do in a night. You could do 6 to 10 PM. Okay, so if you go to Sovellights.org.au forward slash practices, it's got more details there about how to do it. It's got a little bit there about a digital detox. Sabbath has nothing to do with screens. You gotta turn off the tally, put your phone away. Turn off all that stuff, the notifications. It's really important. Digital detox is critical. It's the opposite of Sabbath is looking at a phone or watching a movie or something, social media, something like that. I want you to have a go at this. I want you to practice Sabbath. Create a space. And there's a bunch of um, things there. I've got seven dot points for you. And there's a great 10-minute video to watch as part of the practice this week. It's a great 10-minute video by John Mark Como, who explains it much better as than me about how to do Sabbath as a household. And then our discussion questions for the week are in life groups, or grab a friend, or do it with your household at home, with your roommates, or with your husband or wife, your kids. Share about your previous experiences of Sabbath. So have you done this before? Okay, the second one is review the passages that we looked at today, because I think the Bible is really, really to the point on Sabbath and rest. It's really critical. I mean, <laughs> God did it so it's hard to get around. Number three, look at the four elements, stopping, resting, delighting, worshipping, why are they so powerful? And then as a group, share about your plans for Sabbath, or maybe by the time your group meets, you might have already done that, Um, so share about how that went, or share about what is all the junk in your heart that came up when you thought about about taking a Sabbath for the week? Because I'm telling you, whenever you do these practices, it brings up junk. It brings up excuses and selfishness and problems and whatever. But that's the whole point. Following Jesus is actually about hitting these walls, hitting these walls of selfishness, hitting these walls in our routines and how we live our life and our mindsets. But as we hit the wall, the grace of God is there to heal us, to mature us, to change us, to work in our hearts. That's the whole point. Christianity is about hitting walls. I hope you hit a wall every day and go, God, change my heart. God, change my mindset. God, give me a breakthrough, because that's the point of being a Christian, is grow from level to level to level. Let's all stand up together. I just want to pray for you. you Just worship for five minutes as we finish this morning. Just pop your hands on your heart this morning, because this stuff goes right to our inner life. It goes to our soul, to our heart, to our spirit. Just put your hands on your heart this morning. It's almost like you're praying for yourself, which is fine. You're allowed to pray for yourself. Just close your eyes. Just begin to connect with God. This is one of those things that's really about God being your Father in heaven. And God is a good Father giving you good gifts. Sabbath rest is a good gift. It is a foretaste of heaven. It is a foretaste of how we will live for eternity in rest, in worship, in delight. And God offers, offers it to you one day out of seven. But you've got to practice. You're going to have to work at it. You're going to have to pray about it. You're going to have to grow. You're going to have to grow up in your faith. God, I just pray right now as hands are laid on hearts. Heal us, Lord God. Heal us from the hurry. Heal us from the anxiety. Heal us from the restlessness. It's amazing, Lord God, because you've already provided for us the balm of healing, the medication that we need, the answers to our problems, the solutions to our questions. They're already in your word, Lord God, and it's amazing when we open up your word the antidote for restlessness is there. It was there in Genesis 2. It was there at the pinnacle of creation that then God rested on the seventh day. Lord, sometimes we look at these scriptures and we realize we are so far from your image. You created us in your image, but we are a distorted picture of who you are. We're so far from true rest. We try a holiday, but that doesn't even work. We try a long weekend, but... It's just respite. It's not true rest. You know, I believe that the Holy Ghost is speaking to you, to all of us today. Just saying to you, I want you to operate. I want you to live from a cup that overflows. That's a prophetic word for you this morning, a promise from God. God is saying, Come follow me, come follow my word. And you can overflow from a cup of rest, overflow. Imagine living six days and you have too much restfulness. You have too much delight and joy and passion and peace and happiness in your life. You have too much worship and prayer and you're just so in touch with God. That's the prophecy this morning. That's the prophecy that this sermon is, that God is saying to you, there's another day there's another way, there's something in your future, there's a Sabbath delight for you where you can live, you can parent, you can work, you can have a lifestyle that just overflows with rest and delight. The skill of stopping is so undervalued in our culture. The ability to truly rest in our culture is built on self, not built on a godly rest of worship and God. Throw away your holidays, says the Lord God. Throw away the lie of your holidays and your retreats and your vacations and come back to the holy day, the original intent. This is what Jesus got in trouble for time and time again. He got in trouble because he followed the original plan of God. The Pharisees had drifted away. they lost their due north. And Jesus came back and said, yep, I believe in the Sabbath, but I believe in the original Sabbath. Man was made for the Sabbath. God gave it to him as a gift. Um, Madeline sings this one more time. Just close your eyes.
1: Just heal. Just let
0: God heal you a bit this morning.
1: Just let
0: God work in your heart this morning. He's not coming to you as a Pharisee saying, you shouldn't walk this far. You shouldn't wear perfume. You shouldn't do this stuff. He's coming and saying, I made you to rest. I made you for the Sabbath. I made you to enjoy rest, to enjoy Stopping. We all need healing in this area. All of us need it. I don't speak to one person who's nailing this in their life. I'm being completely honest with you. I do not speak to one person that is winning in this area of their life. And God in His graciousness is coming to us today, giving us His alternative. He's original. So as Madeline sings this, so just, just open your heart. Just let yourself heal a bit. Don't worry about doing Sabbath. Don't switch back to, okay, I'll put that on my list this week and try and make that happen. Let Him heal your heart. Just experience rest for one minute before we go home this morning. Just experience a slice of heaven for one second this morning before we go back to our lives this week. The whole point of Sunday is that it's meant to be the first day of the week where we worship, where we come together as a people of God, where we eat, we drink, we stop on a Sunday before we go into the six days of work for the week. Thanks, Martha. Thanks, Martha. Close your eyes. Just heal.
1: No death, no fear, no death can separate me from your.
0: I would love, I just think there's a real power of God here this morning. I would love to pray for you quickly. If restlessness and hurry is a problem, nothing dramatic, just come out here, just quickly pray for you. I just believe God can do this, things can break like that in God. I just want to pray for you quickly. And just, I believe there's a release, a break quickly in a moment. God can really do something in your heart here, just as we stand together. So if you have faith for that, Believe that there's something to break in that air of restlessness and hurry and inability. You're not living out of an overflowing cup of rest. Then I really encourage you to come. I just want—I would love to pray with anyone who wants that this morning. All right, Thanks, Pastor. Leon. We're going to close our service now. So please, if you're wanting to see something change in your life, please come out the front. For anyone else, um, we hope to see you next week.